0: You guys hear me coming in there? Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Pastor Derek. I want to welcome you guys to Connect. If you're here for the first time, uh, our house is your house. Uh, we're going to get right into it this morning. Was worship amazing this morning? Can we give, up the, give it up for the 508 one more time? So proud of our next generation. We are very blessed, very, very blessed. A couple quick announcements in addition to announcements. One is one of those announcements was wrong because uh, All Access is not 5.30 tonight. Normally we do have things at 5.30 very consistently every Sunday evening, but it's going to be at 7 p.m., and that is because some of y'all are some Patriots fans, so we ain't stupid around here, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, we are wise. We are wise, okay? So 7 p.m., I know some of you guys are like fasting, but we don't fast football up here very often, okay? So... Anyway, I wanted you to know, 7 p.m. Everybody say 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Also, I uh, want to mention, uh, again, just follow up on the Dream Team party. Uh, if you are part of the Dream Team, that means you serve in some capacity using God's talent that he gave you for his purposes. Um, we have an amazing event planned for you at the Sheraton Tower on Saturday at 6.30, Um Please just sign up for that. We need to know you're coming. We are, we're spending big dough to make that a great event for you. And if you're not on the Dream Team, it only takes about a month to get, uh, you know, on a team. So just jump on board. We have uh, classes, growth track classes every single Sunday night to prepare you for that. Except tonight, because tonight is our all-access worship night. As we culminate 21 days of prayer and fasting, can you feel it, everybody? Come on, everybody do this. This means can you feel it? Can you feel it? Come on, All right, so it's been an incredible, incredible time, and I believe that it's something that was seated in this 21-day period will continue throughout this entire year, 2016. Uh, Two weeks from today is February 7th. That is Super Soul Sunday. Uh, We know it's the Super Bowl, but we're having a no-excuse Sunday service. So normally what we do on Sundays is we do nothing to intimidate people. We try to invite people. We don't make church a got to, but a get to. It's not a have to. It's a want to. And that's our, that is our paradigm. But once in a while, we have to kind of call a family meeting. And we need to get everybody to come to church, be there. We have some very important things that we need to do together as an entire church. So if you call this if your church home, if you're a family member, a frequent flyer, or you're just kind of on the fringe, you're not sure, but you like it, show up on No Excuse Sunday. That's February 7th. Please go to Facebook. Everybody say Facebook. All right. And so go to Facebook and click going, okay? Don't just look at it, all right? That gives you some points but not enough, okay? So please go to Facebook, let us know you're coming. Uh, I would be okay if you did that in the first couple minutes of my message. That's how important it is to me, okay? So if you wanna get on your phones or your iPad, go ahead and do that right now and click going. If you are on vacation that week, fly home. If you are skiing, come back you're planning a birthday, move it. Be here. No excuse son. Everybody got it? Yes. All right, it's important. All right, we're continuing our series, Protect His House. This is the last message in the series uh, as we continue to talk about the subject of prayer, the importance of prayer. I hope you guys are getting something out of the series so far. You know, we've determined that you know, you gotta just you can't just talk about it, but you gotta establish the, the practice of prayer. A lot of times people say we believe in stuff, but then really a follow-up question is, well, do you practice it? Because if you're not practicing it, you really don't believe it. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, That's true. That's true. So it's essential as believers. One of the things that makes our prayer effective is is, is our view of God will determine our relationship with Him. Our view, this is powerful, our view of God determines our relationship. My view sometimes of God is sometimes affected by my view of relationships I've had in my life. So sometimes that distorts reality and we have to get that right. Our view determines our relationship. But also our approach to God will determine our encounter with God. So we're learning not just, you know, just fly in there and spill all this junk on Him and back the dump truck up and... You know, all that kind of stuff. But there's an approach that in the Lord's Prayer, for example, as you've learned in previous weeks, it is not a recitation. It is a roadmap. Yes. It is a process or a journey. And then there's a place and there's a time and space where you get into really the presence of God. And now you have audience audience with the one who can solve all your problems and fix all your situations. But it's not just your view, it's also your approach. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we want to have the right relationship with him. Last week was a message that was a first-time message. You never did anything on this subject before, but we talked about two relevant questions. One is why we don't pray. How many were here last week? Raise your hand good and high if you here last week. This is a hand-raising church, okay? So one way or the other, we're going to get your hands up. You know, so you're like, "Oh, people raising their hands during our music time. What's that all about?" You'll be raising your hand at some point. Uh, but uh, we talked about two relevant questions: one, why uh, don't we pray? And then why should we pray? And one of the reasons we don't pray is because of complacency. Uh, you know, it's just, it just doesn't affect me. If it's not, if everything's okay. I'm self-sufficient. Another reason we don't pray is unbelief. You know, we're not convinced. It's making a difference and something's done, something's happened to us or something's been told to us or lied to us, deceived us into thinking it doesn't make a difference. Another reason we don't pray is discouragement, discouragement. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and nothing happened. And I'm going to highlight that kind of category today as, as we talk about today's subject. But another thing that we talked about is why should we pray? And there were two attributes um, it's a big word, but characteristics, traits of God as to why we should pray. We should pray because of the sovereignty of God, and we should pray because of the uh, unchangeableness or the immutability of God. If you didn't get the, that, that message, or I encourage you, please go online, uh, because you need to understand that there are things about God that won't change, and, and, and they're related to his character, but you actually can change his mind on situations. You can change his mind. You can't change his character, but you can change his mind. Uh, my kids can change my mind. I never was going to buy my kids a dog, ever. But how many know I have a dog? Okay? You know, he's 14 years old now, you know? And so somehow they got, they got that through uh, to me. It just kind of wore me down. And so anyway, there's some similarities there, but we'll get into that as we go forward. But um, if, you didn't, if you didn't get our prayer guides, I also want to mention, we bought a bunch of those. Um, one of our elders was doing a morning devotion. He called it, he was talking about a buttload of souls and a, a, a boatload of souls, not a buttload. Sorry, that was bad. That was a, that's how I hear it. You know, my twisted mind, here's a buttload. It was a boatload. Never mind. That was the story of Jonah. Um, it was, I mixed it up. Sorry, Elder Steve. Um, <laughs> my bad. I was taking notes, but I wrote it wrong. Um, But uh, we bought a boatload of uh, prayer guides, or buttload, whatever works for you, that works for me. And I want to give them away, and it will help you pray the rest of this year. I've been using it every single day for 21 days, and it has revolutionized my prayer life because it'll give you a roadmap. Amen? Because prayer changes things. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you need to, my father used to say, you need to go to the throne before you go to the phone. Sometimes we need to go to, to the great physician before we go to ibuprofen. We need to learn that, that, that there's power in prayer, but sometimes we don't realize that prayer works and it does work. I don't know. Even atheists know that prayer works. Say what? I heard about a Christian atheist, not a Christian atheist, but an atheist who didn't want believe in Christianity, and he was out in the wilderness, and he was he was just saying, look what evolution did, look at you know, look at how evolution, you know, made these beautiful trees, and and look at the you know, the handiwork in the sky, all as a result of evolution, and look at the water and all that kind of stuff. And he's just he's giving all the credit to evolution, and then out of nowhere here's this little crack in the woods, and and out of the woods comes this big old seven-foot grizzly bear. Starts hunting them down. So he starts running, and this, this bear's coming after him, and eventually this bear and he's this this bear just swipes at the bottom of his feet, clips him, he's falling down, and as he begins to fall down, he goes, he shouts to God, God help me! <laughs> and as he and as he screams, God help me, time stops, and the waterfalls start froze. And this and everything in the sky, the clouds stopped moving, and the trees and the wind stopped, everything froze. And God spoke from heaven and said, Now you're gonna believe that I'm real? Now you're thinking about me? And this is what you know, and the guy's like, God, it's just you know, maybe it's wrong for me to ask to to to, to be a Christian now, but but just think about this. If you could make the bear a Christian. I would be so, so grateful, so grateful. And so God says, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can hook you up. And then boom, time begins again and the water begins to pour and the winds begin to blow and and, and everything starts moving again. And the bear stops, drops on his knees, puts his two palms together and begins to pray. Father God, thank you for the food which I'm about to eat. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we gotta believe in prayer because it works. It works even for an atheist. So today's message is powerful prayers. Everybody say powerful prayers. How much prayer, how much, excuse me, power does God have? How much power does God have? He has all power. He has all power. He is omnipotent. He created the heavens and the earth. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And everything was created by him to bring Honor and glory to him. We were created to bring honor and glory to him in accordance with 1 Corinthians. And so this. A knowledge of the power of God, that God has all power, cannot just be something that is intellectual. It also has to be something that I would call revelational. And I'll try to explain what I mean by revelational in just a second. But, you know, it's kind of like if, if, if I was talking to kids years ago when I ran a Christian school, I would say, there's just some things, young man, young, 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 young boy, young girl, that you need to have in your knower. It's just, it's just in your knower. It's just, it's deep inside you. You know that you know that you know. You know who you are. You know what you believe. You know who you belong to. Those kind of, you got to know it in your knower. And I was reading this just this morning, 1 John 5, 14. It's not in your note. it's kind of bonus. But listen to this. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Remember, approach is important. Many don't have confidence, though, in approaching God. Many have no confidence in approaching God whatsoever, and it's because of a bad view or a bad approach or both. It can be a both and an either or, but it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, everybody say anything, yeah. according to his will. Last week, we learned that his will and his desire are the same. They're interchangeable. They're synonymous. When you see the last will and Testament, it, you know, it's what you desire for your family. It's an absolute, but it's not absolutely positive. It's going to happen. That's good. It's good. So, so here's the thing. If we ask anything according to his will or desire for us, he hears us. And then it says, and we know. Everybody say, I know. In my knower. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know. Everybody say, I know. In my knower. That we have what we've asked of him. So there's this, there's this inner knowing. So I was at an elders meeting. We were praying for different people, for some supernatural Uh, results. Sometimes people just, uh, nothing's going to do but a miracle. Does anybody have anything like that in their life? I hope you think about that today because it's going to be relevant today. But we were praying for some people, three people in particular praying for. And as we were getting ready to pray in the name of Jesus, which we talked about last week, there is power in the name of Jesus. I got a song that's in my head right now as soon as I say that. Um, But there's power in the name of Jesus. You're carrying the authority in the name of Jesus. You have authority, access, attention, Because of the name of Jesus. But there's a knower that you, the knowledge, a revelation knowledge you have to have about that. So I was, we were getting ready to pray in the name of Jesus for different people, as we typically do, as elders of the church. We must pray, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover in accordance with God's word. In 1 Peter. Okay, so that's what, there's just sometimes this formality thing, but we gotta have this, mm, like, we're getting ready to pray. Okay? And so, I was thinking, and I got this vision from, I believe it was from God. It's like this picture. And I saw, like, a doctor getting ready to administer medicine to a child. A child came in, the child was upset, the child was in pain, the child was, there was some kind of like trauma of some sort. And the doctor was getting ready to administer some sort of medicine, either through an IV or through a shot or something like that. And the doctor would go over to the child and say, Now you need to know. That though you're in pain right now, in just a few minutes, that pain is going to be gone because I'm going to give you something that is going to take all that pain away. Now, that child has a choice to believe that or to dismiss that. A child can receive that intellectually and be like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Or, mm-hmm, that's true. I know that. I know because the doctor said it. I know because in previous encounters with my doctor, that's what happens. I know because what I've learned about doctors when they say something like that's going to happen. So there's a recipient's responsibility, and then there's a there's a confidence that comes from the doctor to the to the person as well. We have to have that not just intellectual knowledge, but that revelation knowledge. Same thing. I got a picture of a parent getting ready to give the child, you know, um, you know, some uh, some vitamins or some medicine or something like that, and and and, and I'm going to give you something in just a minute, honey, that's going to take that fever down, that temperature down, and that child begins to immediately respond and receive that as if it's true, as if it's going to happen. The same thing is true that when you pray in the name of Jesus about something, you have to have that same attitude of a child like, you know what, the doctor said this, this is true. You know what, my parents said this and this is true. But if you just kind of receive it intellectually, you might not be getting it revelationally and transformationally in your life. Does that make sense? So we have to know those things in our knower. And that's what this is saying in 1 John chapter 5 is that we know that he hears us and we know that whatever we ask, we have what we've asked of him. It will happen. So when you pray, sometimes things don't seem to happen. And and when we pray, are we trying to get God to move when we pray? Just think about that. Does God finally move if we bother him enough? Do we earn answers to our prayer through hard work, through diligence, through, through efforts and things like that? Because if that's what you think and then things don't happen, it can lead us to some detrimental deductions, some uh, unhealthy conclusions or things like that. And you may not have the same exact questions that I described, but you've got these questions. And when they don't get answered as a result, sometimes it can create a divide or a separation between you and God. You can get mad at God when he doesn't respond to your efforts and to your, and to your, to your prayers. And unknowingly... What the enemy is trying to do is create this separation between you and God. In in the the most powerful connection opportunity that you have in the Christian experience is to be able to connect with God on a spiritual level. The enemy is often trying to short-circuit that and sideline that. And sometimes it's because of our view. And sometimes it's because of our approach. But there's going to be another piece of it that we need to talk about today. And it's happened to many people. I have a a friend... um, and I can't mention her, their family's name or her name, but they lost their child. And, and I cannot think of something worse on the planet you know, than, than losing your child, than outliving your child. And I remember praying for her when she was in the hospital. Um, she had cystic fibrosis and she was dying. She was on, you know, she was on life support. And they were determining whether we were going to pull the plug. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And so they called me in to pray. And I can remember them looking at me like, man, I hope this, you know, this is kind of it. This is it. This is our, this is our final shot. Is PD going to be able to, you know, PD, I'm thinking to myself, I remember the pressure. I'm thinking, it's not me. It's the power of the name of Jesus. There's nothing I can do. And I prayed for this. I prayed for this girl. And uh, long story short, she went home to be with the Lord. She didn't come back. And something happened that day in the mom, something died inside of her, you know, a resignation came over her and, and over time she got further and further away from God and she began to search for answers in the wrong places. She began to search for answers in the occult and as a result, and top of that started adding alcohol and drugs into the experience. And, and I believe it's because she got discouraged because her prayers weren't answered. And she's not in a good place at this time. And sometimes it's not quite that serious for you. And sometimes we get mad or discouraged. uh, And we get mad at God with our fleeting prayers and our flirty prayers about a job or a circumstance or a relationship or something like that. And over time... It doesn't seem like a big deal, but these situations and these scenarios, they add up. These series of things, they begin to add up, and they convince us that prayer is irrelevant, that prayer doesn't work. And that nothing could be further from the truth. And, and, and you all can be susceptible to this spiritual sinkhole if you continue to buy into that idea. I had a friend, a very close friend, and one time, um, you know, he was, I remember him Literally being in a car with him driving, I was very nervous because he was so angry and he was just cursing God, profanity, out loud at God. And you know, I said I prayed and prayed that you would take this thing away. And he and he named this addiction that he's had in his life that really just re- had done, wreaked havoc on his life. And 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 he just blamed God for everything. And and now he's you know he's divorced and he's he's lost his ministry that he had from that was very powerful. And it was all born out of a deception. And so I'm trying to get real right up front because I'm just trying to say, you might not be there, but the place you are is is on a continuum to there if you're not paying attention. Where you ultimately, God is trying to divide, he's trying to separate, uh, excuse me, the devil is trying to divide and trying to separate you from God. And so God doesn't want you to have your prayers unanswered. He he, he, he answers prayers. God is a God who delivers us from temptation. He, doesn't, he delivers us from tests, and he's a good God, and desires for us are good. But when you pray, he hears us when we know, when we know. Can I have an amen? But to have prayers answered, I'm going to give you three things, okay? Everybody say three things that you need to know. Number one, God, to have prayers answered, you have to understand and know that God has deposited his power in us. God has deposited his power in us. If you called upon the name of the Lord and you are saved, you, 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 it's like you wear a badge like a police officer. You have an authority now that has been granted to you in and through the name of Jesus. And so you have dominion. We talked about this last week about this transference that took place with Jesus to the disciples. And he introduced a new phrase that had never been introduced in that way before. And he said, you say these things in my name and whatever you ask, I will do it. Anything you ask for, I will do it in my name, I will do it. And that power has been transferred to us as his disciples and his followers. But sometimes there's a disconnect. I used to have a, one of these like electric, uh, not electric, excuse me, it was, a, it was a scooter. It was like a small motorcycle, 250cc little scooter thing. It was an electric starter. And um, it was my trick to my wife because because she said you can never have a motorcycle, and so, so I just I get one of these, and then I start building up to something bigger, you know. So don't tell her when she comes next service. That was the plan. So anyway, but I can remember I would drive this thing in the summer, and oh, she's in the back. I'm busted. Um, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, so I would drive these things in the summer and the early fall, but then when the winter would come, I would put it away in the shed. But I would go out to get it next summer, and it would be dead. He would be dead, right? So what I would have to do is call Bob to help me uh, figure out how to jumpstart it. Um, but I get this spe- eventually I got this special thing that could jumpstart it. And um, how many, I don't know, I'm not a mechanic, but how many know there was still power in the battery? Right? There's still power in the battery. In most instances, there's still power in that battery. I had to, I had to simply jumpstart it so the battery could be connected to the engine and so that thing could begin to operate. Sometimes our prayer life is like that. There's been a disconnect. Something has short-circuited. Something has kind of been put down. And we need to simply jumpstart because God has deposited his power in you and his power in me as we begin to go forward in our prayer life. And prayer jumpstarts. Prayer sparks The power that's already been put and placed inside of you and inside of me, and sometimes the wires have been cut. Sometimes there's been a disconnect or whatever it is. But sometimes you've been sidelined, you've been put in storage, and you need to pull that baby out, and you need to allow some prayer where you are pushing, praying until something happens, and that power will come back into your life. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 24. Look at this multiple texts on this, where basically the Bible says, "I got the power." Everybody say, "I got the power." You guys know the song, you know what I mean? I got the power. You know, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. All right, sorry. We all, I'm going to play that next service, all right? I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. All right, but you all have been given this power. Luke 24, 49 says, until, pray until you are endued, infused, uh, the word there in the Greek is clothed with power. Everybody say power. power. From where? From on high. It comes from God. Acts 1:8 says, but you, everybody say you is me. You shall receive power. And then it goes on to tell you, be my witnesses. Romans chapter 8 tells us the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. So you've been given power. God has deposited his power in you. Now before you look at the next text, it's in your notes, Ephesians 3.20. I venture to say, many of you, not all of you, probably are familiar with the verses I start, if I start to quote it or familiar as you begin to read it. And it says, different translations, but now to him is able to do above and beyond all that we could ask or think. Uh, you might say, it may, it may say in a different rendering, it says something like, now to him is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Okay, But the part of the verse that most people don't know is it says, according what to the power that's at work within us. Why? Because God has deposited his power in us. And it's according, according. That word according in the Greek is the, it's, it's a word, it's a little word, mito. It's like the minions, mito, no, mito, no, mito, no. okay? It means according. It's like, a, it's, a dis, it's like another word would be distributed or distribution. So what comes out of you is distributed. There's power put in you, but you determine what is distributed out of you. What causes the success of that distribution or the portion of that or that meato to come out of you according to the power that doesn't work within us is prayer. Is prayer. Is everybody tracking with me? So, like that scooter, you got to sometimes jumpstart those things in your life. Um, amen. Oh my gosh. So, how much of God's exceedingly abundantly above and beyond power are you distributing in your prayers? How much? How much is coming out right now? And, and there may be reasons why it's not coming out very much, and that's what I want to talk to you about. One time I was um, on vacation. Our family always goes up to uh, the north in New Hampshire, and, and I, was, I was on the beach, and I was actually studying the attributes of God. And while I was being all theological, you know, and just like thinking I was smart, I had a you know, big big Bible, and I was taking notes and stuff like that, and um, it's just kind of funny because you're sitting in a bathing suit with like a skull cap on. So it's just a weird look. But, um, but I'm praying and I'm studying and I'm going through this different thing, studying the attributes of God. And in the middle of the, like this pray, think thing, my father calls it prinking, praying and thinking. I'm prinking. Um, I hear God say something like, and you might think that's weird, but that's okay. I can be weird to you. Uh, I hear him say, God say to me, son, I need you. I need you. And, and, and I kept hearing that, and I'm, and I'm like, God, this is just how my brain works sometimes. I'm like, God, that's not theologically correct <laughs> because you don't need anything. And I'm studying these attributes, you know, and you're self-sustaining, you're, you know, you're self-sufficient, you know, you have all these, you're self-existent. The, yeah, I, I understand, son, all your theological junk, okay, but I need you. And I didn't get it at first. And then eventually, and I've talked about this before in the past, I came to realize he was trying to teach me something. It wasn't that I need you like what you have. I decided to need you. I decided to need you. And I started seeing other scriptures that reinforced this idea that, yeah, God doesn't need us, but he chose to work through us according to the power that's within us. So we can short circuit, we can sideline, we can put all this power that's put us, put in us, and it can just be sitting in the shed. Or it can be out on the road getting something done, burning up the highway. Are you tracking with me, everybody? So God decided to do this. Jeremiah 27, 5 in your notes. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals are all on it, and I give it to anyone I please. And he did do that. In the New Testament, we see that he did that. So here's, here's something I want you to write in your notes. God Un- God's unlimited power is limited by our prayers. God's unlimited power is limited by our prayers. Everybody tracking? Yes. Number two, number two. So God deposits power in us. Number two, we must release God's power through prayer. We must release God's power through prayer. Now there's a there's a scripture we're going to read from John seven, and Jesus uses an analogy. Um, he was the master at illustrations. He uses the analogy of a river, of a river. And, um, and as you read this, you're going to see that God wanted there to be a gushing river coming out of us in our life, not like, uh, not like a little creek, or as my wife would say in the south, a creek. That's funny, I don't care what you say. Anyway, so, so Jesus is saying, this is what I want coming out of you, okay? John seven thirty seven. look at that with me. It says, and i will try to unpack some of this stuff in a minute. It says, on the last day, this was the eighth day of, of a feast of tabernacles, the greatest day, it was the great, and greatest day of the feast, the eighth day is, Jesus stood on that eighth day and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, everybody say his heart, "...will streams, or it might say rivers in your translation, streams or rivers of living water, that key words there, living water, will flow from within you, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Now in the previous text we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power." And so basically what's going on here um, is he came into this world. Jesus came into this world so that we could have power in this life. And for seven days, the people of God at this time were praying for living water to come. They were praying, living water, living water, come. They didn't even really understand it completely. They had two occurrences in the Bible that kind of reinforced what that looked like to them. There was one, a prophetic one, and there was one, a a, a, a kind of um, actual occurrence. One of the prophetic ones is from um, Zechariah. I won't read that, but another one is an occurrence where, where Moses... God told him, the people were complaining, wanting water, wanting water. And then Moses went, and then he struck the rock, and the water came out. And remember that? It was kind of a supernatural occurrence. God provided water for them. And so they based this prayer, you know, and this, this ritual that they did at this Feast of Tabernacles on these two occurrences. And, but what they didn't realize is they would pray for seven days for this living water to come. Every single year, seven days, every day. God, bring us your living water, bring us your living water. On the eighth day, they would quit praying for living water, and they switched to rain. Now, this, this is kind of weird, but that wasn't good. Because what they were saying was, we don't actually believe that it's going to happen. They, they quit on the eighth day, and... And just doubt and unbelief came into their life. And instead of receiving the potential for that living water to come, they switched over to the natural. Then just give us the natural as if that was going to satisfy or meet their needs. And in the middle of this ritual and this religious thing that we go through every single year, Jesus shows up on the eighth day and he comes into the the whole prayer meeting and says, I am the living water. I'm the one that you've been praying about. I'm the rock. I'm the water that comes from the rock. The things that you need that will satisfy your deepest needs, meet all your current and natural needs are found in me and through me in my name. Jesus shows up right in the middle. It's powerful, right in the middle of that whole thing. Is everybody tracking with me? And so he's basically saying, how much living water do you have? Is it a trickle or is it a fountain? Is it a river? You know, a lot of times we don't have that in our life. Many of us have more faith to believe that hot water will come from a faucet than it will come from prayer. We go to a faucet, we turn that hot water on, and, 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 and cold water comes out. And we stick our hand under there, under that cold water, and what 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 do we do? Do we shut the water off and do that? Ah, that's cold water. That's just cold water. Forget it. Back out. No, I don't need it. I don't need that. No. We turn that hot water thing on and we just wait, because we know that if we continue to wait and be patient, there is hot water on that faucet. And a lot of times we don't continue to pray because we don't have in our knower, we don't believe that if we continue to pray that God's power has been deposited in us according to the power that's at work within us, that is released by prayer, that if we just keep our hands out and outstretched towards God, that something hot is going to come, that the fire of God's going to come in our life, that circumstances are going to begin to change, and it's not going to remain cold. But many times we pray, we turn on the faucet, it's cold, and we shut it off and say it didn't work, and then we get mad at God. And that ought not be so. Is anybody tracking with me? Why did Elijah pray seven times for something, for rain, and God already said he was going to do it? Why did he do that? Maybe he knew something that we needed to know. He prayed so that what was in heaven would actually come to earth. Why did Daniel pray 21 days for something? Look in your notes, Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 through 3. It says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He was on a 21-day prep fast. He was praying and fasting. He says, it says, I ate no pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. That means he didn't bathe. And everybody else was mourning because of that <laughs> for three full weeks, okay? Praise the Lord. We don't believe in that here. I just want to make that clear, okay? <laughs> Verse 12, it says, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Listen to this. From the first day, your words, or you could say prayers, parentheses, were heard. The first day he sent his prayer, what happened? It was heard. It was heard. And I have come because of your words. So he heard it, and he was coming with the answer. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So here's you need to know something, that when you pray, your prayer is answered on the day that you sent it. On the first day that you sent it, it was heard. And God releases that. But we're at we're in a war. We're in battle. We don't battle against flesh and blood anymore. We don't battle against, you know, it's not carnal or fleshly, but things are pulled down from heaven to earth. It, the weapons we fight with are, are not like weapons of this world, but they're mighty, the Bible says, through God. Through what? Through prayer. Through prayer. So Daniel knew, my prayer's been heard. I know in my know where my prayer's been heard because I know my doctor, I know my father, I know my God. When he says something, he does. Whatever I ask, he hears it. It's in accordance with his will and his desire. He hears it, I know that. Whatever I ask, he's gonna do that for me. But I gotta bring what's going on up there and I gotta bring it down here. And so he prayed for 21 days, and it says, And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to him, for I have been left alone with the king of Persia. So on the first day he prayed, uh, it was heard. But, it's, but, what if, but on the 21st day is when the actual manifestation came. What if Daniel only prayed 20 days? How many of us have been fourth in inches and we bailed? How many of us turned the faucet off too fast before the hot water was just getting ready to come in our life? Prayer is not trying to get God to move. It's releasing enough power in the spirit to get the job done. So I, I can't do all this other stuff, but let me just read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Read that with me. Uh, you don't have to read out loud. Just follow with me. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses us in what? Heavenly realms. Where does he bless us? In heavenly realms. In heavenly realms. With how many blessings? Every spiritual blessing. How many blessings does he give us? All of them. Every spiritual blessing imaginable. So where are our blessings? They're in heaven. Every spiritual blessing is there for you in heaven. What we need to do through prayer, because God deposited his power in us, we need to bring heaven to earth. That's why we say things in the Lord's Prayer. As it is in heaven, let it be so on earth. Thy will be done as it is in heaven on what? Earth. Earth. So it's not up to God to move. It's It's up to us to pray. And, and I, I don't know about you, but this is what happens sometimes. I'm a bottom line person. Do you know what I mean Like by that? like I've had to grow in communication in this respect. Um, I, when I'm talking to a certain gender, I won't mention the side, but sometimes there's too many words. I'll let you fill in the blanks on that, okay? And as we're talking, or I'm listening... Um, I'm thinking, get to the bottom line. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, so, so my nature is bottom line, headline, bottom line, headline, bottom line, headline. You know what I mean? So I've had to grow in that. Okay, so if that's your propensity, if that's your kind of natural inclination, you might have charged that over to your account with God. Because that's what people do in their relationship with God. They're like, God, I prayed about it. Get it done. I said it. I already said it. What am I got to say? What else is there to say? So you're not understanding that you, you're praying until something happens. You're, you wait on the Lord until the hot water comes out. There's sometimes a perseverance and a persistence in prayer. And I, I, I sometimes I pray like a cheetah, you know? Cheetah has a disproportionate heart. They're fast and furious. But you know what? They cannot go long and hard. And a lot of times the things that are not happening in our lives is because we're cheetah Christians we just speeding. We just want it done now. We want to microwave the miracle. We want just ding, ding. I want my miracle. I want my miracle. God's doing a whole bunch of stuff in you in the journey of prayer, by the way. Yeah. And sometimes he answers prayers by giving you exactly what you want and the circumstances change. Sometimes he answers prayers by giving you the grace to pull through so you can help somebody else when they need the grace to pull through. Yeah. Sometimes he answers prayers by changing you and changing your character. Yeah. Sometimes he answers prayers in heaven, and you need to trust him as a child that he knows what's best for you as a parent. Woo, that's good. All right, somebody, I'll tell you what. Here's my last point. You ready? Here's the third point. Three points. God adds his fire to our prayers. God adds his fire to our prayers. So he's deposited his power in us, it's released through prayer, and he adds his fire to our prayers. I hope you catch this truth. It'll change your life. Revelation 5.8, look in your notes, it says, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Hang on. on. Each had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are, remember this now, the prayers of the saints. So where are the prayers of the saints being stored in heaven? In what? They're in bowls. I want you to get this physical representation of what Revelation is telling us is happening when people pray. Our prayers, the prayers of the saints, are in bowls. Okay, now look at Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 and following. It says, when he had opened the seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. I'll just pause there and say, many theologians believe that's why there won't be teenage girls in heaven. (laughs) Anyway, that's funny. Sorry about that. This is silence for half an hour. Okay. And I saw... (laughs) I just need to do that for myself. And I saw... Seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, what? With the prayers of all, how many? All the saints, okay? On the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with what? What? Fire, come on, say it with me, filled it with, fire. let's say it with some attitude, filled it with fire. <laughs> they filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumlies, flashes, lightning, and earthquakes, all symbols of God's moving on earth. Those are symbolic symbols of God moving on earth. So when we pray, what happens is our prayers go up into heaven, into heavenly realms. They sit in bowls, and basically, it's almost like they're, all on, a, it's like they're on a fulcrum. And what happens is that bowl is being filled with prayers and filled with prayers. At a certain point, I do not know what that point is. I don't know how to describe that. This is just my opinion. At a certain point, what happens is that bowl, by the prayers of the saints, begins to tip. Begins the tip on that fulcrum, And then what happens is the angel takes the fire from the altar of God, representing the power of God. The fire, all through the Bible, represents the power of God. Adds it to that bowl, and that bowl spills out upon the earth. And that's when change and miracles and miraculous interventions of God come because the prayers of the saints went up, God adds his fire to it, and he pours it out upon the earth. That's really what that's saying right there. Is everybody tracking with me? The fire represents the power of God. When does it come? When our prayers go up and fill those bowls. How do we get those bowls to heaven? My personal opinion is, you know, from from heaven to earth is when they tip over. What makes them tip? Continuing to pray continuing to pray until something happens in the supernatural. Fire, you look at all through the Bible. Fire represents the fire by, by, by night, the cloud by day in Moses. The fire, the fire represents the burning bush. Fire, you see the fire of God You know at the altars with Elijah. You see the fire of God in the New Testament at Pentecost. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Fire represents power. Some of you in your life, whether you believe um, all things are possible or not, you need a miracle. Whether you believe what I'm telling you or not, you need something to break in your life. And I'm telling you, it is through prayer that all things are possible. Prayer changes things. But the power is in you. It must be released by you through prayer. You pray until those bowls are filled, and then God will add his fire to that to see the miraculous intervention of God in your life. Can I have an amen? So here, fill in this this last blank so those of you who are note takers, don't get mad at me. Prayer is not trying to get God to move. Prayer is releasing the power already in you so God can move. So God can move. Will you stand to your feet and let me pray for you now? And we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Did you get something out of that this morning? Yes. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 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 Why don't you just close your eyes and, uh, and, and just bow your heads and just be very, very, very reverent and, and sober just for, just, for, just for a minute or two. I would just ask you to think about, with regards to this message, you know, how full are your bowls? Are they just bone dry? Are they empty? Because of different reasons you've given up on praying and going to God. Maybe it's your view. Maybe it's your approach. Maybe it's your conviction about persistent prayer and believing God is doing something in heavenly realms. What situation in your life do you need your bowl filled up in? Marriage? Money? Money? relationships, you have a child that's far away from God, you have a situation that you need a miracle in your physical body, whatever those things are, I just want you to just give, give God the opportunity to add his fire to that situation in your life, the fire of God. Maybe you need something in your life right now, some kind of miracle in your life right now. I want to encourage you right after we dismiss today, you come down and you let, you let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. Come down like to the altar of God. So where I, I prayed all this week that God would, God would take what's happening, the fire and the altars in heaven, will come to the altars of this church and pour into our church.
1: I believe we'll have more of that
0: tonight as we continue to pray for people. If you're needing miracles, you've got to come back tonight. I believe there's going to be breakthrough in many people's lives tonight because people seek God. They hear from heaven. God will heal them and their land if, if my people will come and pray and worship. This is a time not to go above and beyond, to like stretch a little bit and and seek God a little bit more. Sometimes we're just so quick to just turn that faucet on and off, but I just pray that there'll be a patience in you, a persistence in you, a push in you. No more cheetah Christians in this church anymore in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today, and you need to just connect with Jesus in the first place. Maybe you're listening online, and you're not in relationship with him, and you you don't have that in your knower. You don't know that he knows you. You don't know that, 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 that you're in relationship with him, that you're in the family of God. You know you're a child of God, but you don't know you're in the family of God. And if that's you, you want to make sure that you're in the family of God, that if you drew your last breath today, which is possible for any of us, You're in right standing with God. You're in a good position with God. Jesus came so that you could have a relationship with him. And it's as as simple as confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that Jesus died and and lived a sinless life and died to pay for your sins and rose from the dead. You believe that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're saved. You can be saved. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me before I leave today. God bless you, sister. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Good and high. Don't miss it. Thank you in the back there. I see that. All the way in the back there, I see that. That's awesome. In the name of Jesus, come on, church. Agree with me? Thank you, sir. Thank you over there. I see your hand over there. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Church, would you just pray this prayer with me? Those that raise your hand, believe this. Believe this. Confess it through your mouth. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I thank you that it's in the name of Jesus that I have your attention. That I that I have access. That I can have relationship with you. You're my mediator. You're my intercessor. You're my elder brother. You're my redeemer. I thank you, Jesus, and I receive you by faith through grace. I'm saved right now because of what you did for me on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Now, Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer, that you seal that prayer, that seal of redemption is theirs. The inheritance is theirs. They've called upon the name of the Lord, and they can have that security by faith in Jesus' name. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're in heaven, and there's a party going on right now. And we decide to follow up with that and have a party right here. So let's come on, let's celebrate, let's thank God for what He did in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, PD. That was awesome. Wasn't that great? That was phenomenal. Hey, a couple. Of-